Hello, Friday Night Lights fans. Welcome to the Friday Night Mics podcast, presented by Freaking Geeks Media. In this podcast, one host comes into each episode cold, the other has been a longtime fan. If this is your first episode, thanks for listening. If not, we're happy you're back for another episode. You can follow Freaking Geeks Media on Twitter and Facebook. Links will be in the show notes. Now, on to the show. Here are your hosts, Michael and Sarah. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Friday Night Mike's podcast. We're your hosts, I'm Sarah, and of course with me is Michael. Hey everybody, how's it going? So today we're discussing Season 5, Episode 6, Swerve, written by Peter Berg and directed by Jonas Pate. And this is a pretty good one too, like, I say this every single episode, but this one is like, they're always good, but this is intense. There are some heavy topics that are discussed and done this episode. I'm really yeah. interested to get talking about these. Yeah. What were, what were your broad thoughts on this when you finished it up? I mean, just, you know. Yeah. Like, watching it, I just felt like it was, you know, Friday Night Lights. And, but afterwards, I was kind of thinking, like, the things that happen in this episode are something that might happen one scene might happen during an entire episode, but they seem to put like more than one, like three separate, you know, intense events all into one episode. <laughs> and it's, it seems like they just kind of packed it in. It's something that would be normally just for one episode. So yeah, I felt like it, this, it's a lot. I felt like this was a, um, I mean, it, it doesn't exist on a show like this, but do, do you watch the walking dead? I used to up until Terminus and then I just stopped. Uh, okay. All right. Well, um, yeah, I, I don't watch it anymore either. Uh, sorry for anybody out there that loves The Walking Dead. It's, a, it's fine. But um, anyway, so it this kind of reminds me of a mid-season finale to me. You know, like how like the mid-season finales for The Walking Dead, they would always... Yeah, the hiatus, the episode before the hiatus. Right. So it would always be this huge uh, episode full of you know twists and surprises and just big moments because you know it's the mid-season finale it's not going to be back on the air for a while so like that i feel like this episode to me just feels like something similar now obviously you know friday night lights didn't go off the air for a few months or anything but it's just it's the mid-season point you know and I feel like this is also a really a really big episode because this is like the moment I feel like there's a pivot, you know, because yeah, a lot totally. of shows do that. You hit kind of like the mid-season area and then there's a pivot towards the final, you know, second half of the run of the season, which of course is, you know, important and they got to – especially with this because it's the, the series – so really, they're coming to the end. They've got to pivot at some point here. We're at the mid-season point. Big things are going on. So I feel like this episode is kind of meant to be that moment where these things happen. And now starting, I think, next episode. And I'm not giving anything away here. But I'm just saying, I think <laughs> like next episode, it's like there's a pivot. So everyone's going to pivot. A change in, a, in momentum. And we're going to head in the you know the final you know, home stretch of, you know, the episodes and, and of course the, the season and also the series. So yeah, yeah, it's a big episode. Yeah. That's a really good analogy for it. It feels like a hiatus, like that episode before a long period of time where it takes off. That's a good analogy. 
because it's definitely a whopper. <laughs> there's there's some intense stuff we got to talk about. All right, and, uh, let's do first it. First being is Vince. Vince. Uh, yeah, this guy, man, he he's dealing with the repercussions of two mistakes that have come back to haunt him, and one is his, you know, telling Luke the truth about TMU, which dumb idea. <laughs> And second is this guy we we entirely forgot about that this is the guy that ended up shooting his friend if I'm not mistaken. No, no, it was the guy that was with them that night that is, that escaped. Oh, so when oh he, okay. Yeah, so this is the oh, guy because okay. remember they were going to go and kill that guy, and then Vince was the one that backed out at the last second and he like hit Vince in the face and. Could have shot and killed him right there, but he he decided to let him go. So this guy's like, more or less, Vince. He feels like Vince owes him money and stuff, you know. So gotcha, five thousand dollars to be exact. It's not chump change. (laughs) No, and I'm surprised Vince has like hundreds of dollars hidden away all through the apartment. That surprised me. Like, well, where's he getting money from? Well, he did do some jobs for them there for a while, remember? So he was, I mean, this is a while back, but he was involved. And the other thing is, he probably has been working at that, that, um, oh, the barbecue, barbecue place. place. Now, we, we haven't seen him there in a while just because the show doesn't have time, you know, oh. late, you know, with, <laughs> but he's, he's probably working there. He's still working there. You know, he's still, uh, pulling in a paycheck and everything. And my guess is he probably doesn't have anything to really spend it on. So he just saves it up week by week. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, that's the best thing I can come up with in terms of why he has money. But, you know, now that he's got a job and his mom, mom has a job too. So she's probably paying the bills fine. Now it doesn't require him to make money and take care of it and do it himself. So he can now put that money back and he's just managed to accumulate a decent chunk. Yeah, uh, not five thousand dollars worth, but yeah. <laughs> apparently close to it. Yeah, I mean, it's good, quite a bit of money there. It's um, I mean, that I'd say it's probably a good six months worth of uh of money worth of saving up there. Yeah, and um, so he's trying to figure out what to do. This guy is harassing him, and <sighs> Vince Man. Poor choice here. Like, I don't, I don't actually know if it was a poor choice. I'm kind of back and forth on this because, you know, Vince, you know, we see him. He says he's going to take care of it. And we see him standing outside Coach's house. And he doesn't go up. He decides to go to his father. <laughs> and immediately, like, all the alarms in my head are just like, no, no, why, why? You have an agreement with Eric. Like, shit goes down. You come to him and he has your back. <laughs> like... I think, Where did this go? <laughs> I think the reason is he was probably standing in front of Coach's door and just thought, look, this this is a great guy and he would help me out no matter what, but this is not the right man for the job. This is not who needs to be taking care of this situation. I don't think that Eric would have had any idea on how to confront this problem. I mean, there's a lot of problems I think that Eric could deal with, that could help out with. We've seen him do that over the years many times, but this is an entirely different situation with a, with a character who is a different element, criminal element. And I think when you're talking about the criminal element, 
and dealing with somebody like that. I just don't think that Eric is the kind of person that would be capable of doing that. And we, we see why. You know, we need, you know, someone needs to take care of the situation that has been there before themselves. They're not intimidated. And in fact, they should be the one to be feared. And that is why Vince goes to his dad, because I think he realizes maybe my dad and I aren't perfect and he has a lot to prove. But this is the only person right now that I can turn to. Yeah. Eric would handle it the right way, which would be to go to the cops, but it's not like it, it, it would complicate things. It would and make things worse bad. for him, for yeah. Vince. Yeah, exactly. Whereas when you're dealing with a criminal who you have criminal background with, the only way to get rid of him is through more criminal means. Correct. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Look, we have to remember that, uh, you know, Vince has been in this situation before. He's had to deal with this for a long time. Um, and going to his dad, I think, is just, to him, I think, at least, a, a logical next step. Once he was standing in front of that door of coach, coach's door, and I think he realized, my dad is the only person that can really maybe take care of this. Yeah. And sure enough, you know, he, he goes to his dad and, um, he talks to him, tells him what's going on, and his father seems to have um, you know, dealt with this person before, and says he's just going to straight up handle it. And um, like honestly, he didn't. So like, I'm not opposed to how he settled this. You know, he didn't do it with making side deals, killing the guy, or making like a complete scene. This is probably the only way that this guy was going to understand and have fear put into him so that he backed off. And sure, he got beat up a bit, but he didn't get really hurt. Like, need to go to the hospital hurt. I think everyone kind of came out pretty fairly. And he walked away with probably half of his money. Yeah, I mean, look, this is the only way, like you said, it could have gone down. And I think it went down the best way possible with the best outcome for everybody. Like you said, the guy didn't die. He was put in his place, essentially. And um, we saw... Is it, is this the real version of Vince's dad? You know? Um, this is certainly the darker side. The person that you don't mess around with side. And, uh, you know, this might be his way of kind of being a dad. I mean, I know it doesn't maybe feel that way but you know he's being protective of Vince and he's not going to let anything happen to his son so this is the way he's going to take care of it it may not be legal I guess it, it may not even be the best way ultimately to do it but it's the way he knows how and you know what it gets results it's unlikely this guy is going to come after Vince or his dad anymore because if he does try something and it doesn't work. He's pretty much a dead man, and he knows it. Yeah. And he knows who the real big guy is walking around, and it's not him. It's Vince's dad. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And it's like it's weird to see that like this fight goes down feet away from the bleachers where everyone's at this game, 
with their kids and their family. <laughs> it keeps it in perspective on, you know, how this kind of stuff happens just in the shadows of normal life. Yeah, it, I like how you put that. It, it, you're right. I mean, it's this nice juxtaposition of, you know, you having two completely opposite uh, events going on that couldn't be, you know, more um, disparate. You have obviously the game going on where everyone's happy and cheering and excited and everything. You know, it's it's colorful, it's it's energetic, and then you have just what maybe maybe. 20 yards away, you have, you know, two guys that are, uh, staring each other down, and then one guy gets the, gets the shit beat out of him. So, you know, it's, it's completely different, um, events going on, but they just happen to be very, very, very close to each other. You know, one's dark and one is, you know, on the much lighter side. Yeah. And so, yeah, that he takes care of the problem and everything kind of goes back to normal in Vince's life. Um, Jess's mother invites, you know, their family over and they have like a nice dinner, like any kind of normal family with friends over. <laughs> His father is just packing that pie away. Like it's whole, it's so weird to see like this scene go down and then you hit the next scene you have with his father is very wholesome. I think it's, um, it's disturbing in a way. Like how easy he can switch. Yeah. And I think that that was on purpose. I think they did that intentionally to show that this is a guy who can be charming and funny, lighthearted and all of that. And then, but then in like the blink of an eye, he can go from that to narrowing the eyes, ready to kill you. Very dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I kind of feel like there's a little history with Vince's father and Jess's mother. Did you get any kind of vibe like that? Am I crazy? Yeah, you know, I did get that vibe. I did. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's it was intentional, um, but I did get that sense. Almost like they had maybe done something had dated at one point in time maybe or who knows i mean for all we know like, it could have been something that had been going on you know while he and vince's mom were together yeah not really sure but you could tell there was definitely a little bit of uh, that going on there you know there's a little innuendo too with the kind of arguing over who makes the best pie, who has the best pie. And I'm just like, mm, kind of getting a vibe here. Yeah. Well, you know, they could also be, you know, saying, well, who has the best pie? Hmm. <laughs> what kind of yeah, pie? What kind I of, really don't want to find out. <laughs> it's like, what kind of pie are you looking for? Cause you know, I make the best pie. So oh. come on over. You know, it, <laughs> yeah, uh, well, sorry, I'm making that scene a little creepier for you, but yeah, yeah, I think that's just, uh, the vibe that we're both getting. Yeah. So that's basically Vince's storyline in regards with his father. He has a bit more with Luke, but we'll get into that. Uh, but that basically wraps up Vince's storyline for this episode. Yeah, I think so. Yep. 
And so we're going to let you guys hear a Spindlecraft ad, and we'll be right back. Do you remember the last time you picked up a pen and noticed the quality? How about a razor you handled that didn't feel cheaply made? When was the last time a product made a true and lasting impression on you? In this era of the mass-produced and disposable, anything lovingly handcrafted seems to be a rare thing. Maybe it's time for a change, and Spindlecraft can help. At Spindlecraft, passion and superior quality make it stand out from the faceless, automated crowd. Material for each piece of work is thoughtfully chosen, crafted, sanded, and finally polished with the kind of attention to detail and dedication you can't get off of an assembly line. At Spindlecraft, they know that quality of the material is as important as the quality of the craftsmanship and is a reflection of both the artist and the customer. So rather than buying some cheap pens or razors that you won't give a second thought, purchase something from Spindlecraft. To see what they have to offer, go to www.spindlecraft.com and at the checkout, enter the word GEEKS. That's G-E-E-K-S to get 10% off. We're sure that once you have a Spindlecraft product in your hand, you won't want to put it down. Okay, we're back. All right, so should we jump right into Luke since we were just talking about him? Sure, let's do it. All right, so starting off with Luke, he is in heads into Eric's office because he just kind of wants to confront Eric about what Vinton's told him about TMU. And I like this. We'll talk about this in a second, so we're going to have a clip for it, and we'll let you hear that first. Coach, um... Vince told me what happened down at TMU, that they're interested in him, and then he told me that you said not to say anything to me about it. Is that true? That is true. Look, I'm sorry. I meant to tell you this myself. Tell me what? Sit down. No, Coach, I don't want you to sugarcoat it. I just want you to tell me straight. What is it? They don't want you, they want Vince. They knew your friends, they went through you to get to him. I should have seen it, and I didn't, and I apologize. I'm pretty sure they want both of us, Coach. I talked to Carl Gates yesterday. That I know what I'm talking about. I was blindsided, and I apologize for it. I should have been watching out for you better. All the tickets and the. Taking me down there and everything. Let me tell you something. You're a hell of an athlete. You're going to have a hell of a lot more opportunities. Sit down a second, would you? No, no. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So, yeah, that's a... Well, it's a pretty crazy scene there with, I think, the two of them because I... It's almost a reflection to me of how how Luke, when he first joined the team, he was the big dog, right? I mean, he was the guy with all the experience. He was the elite athlete. Holding was, them together. He was coming from the other side of town. He was one of the best, if not the best player on the other team, all right? And so 
we go from that to to Vince being, you know, the top dog now. And I think that was fine because in a way, to a certain extent, you could say that they were kind of 1A, 1B. Because the two of them together on the field, I mean, there's no doubt that they're like a dynamic duo. You know, their skills, are, they're perfectly um, matched and they work so well together when they're out there. But now Luke is kind of like second tier in a way. And I feel like it's because Vince is now getting all the spotlight. He's getting all the offers. TMU's coming after him. Everybody wants – or everyone wants Vince now. And so now we have Luke who is is maybe not the best player on the team. And it's reflected I think in how Eric is not looking out for him like Vince at the moment. Vince he's on top of, right? A couple episodes ago, maybe it was last episode where he sat down with Vince and his dad and was like, if you, if you go through me, we'll work on this all together, everything will be good, yada, yada, yada. So essentially he's saying, if you trust me, have everything run through me and, and we'll make the best situation, uh, get you guys the best uh, opportunities, the best chance, the best schools, all of it. But guess who's lost in all of that? Luke. So now Luke. it's like he's not he's not the best player on the team. And he's not in, um, you know, he's not in Eric's, you know, um, periphery. He's just kind of like not the most important player at all anymore. And I think it's reflected in Eric kind of overlooking him. And now he's realizing what kind of mistake he made. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate because Luke takes as well as he should, he's a very personally. And it's clearly his dream, like, it's got to be a real hit to him to, you know, lose this. But he can't imagine there's not going to be other bigger and possibly better opportunities out there for him. But I think that was his dream school, though. I think he yeah. really wanted to play there. And so for him, it was like, oh, man, my dream, my dream, it's here. It's right in front of me. They want me. They want me so bad. They're bringing me down here. They're showing me around school. They're taking me out in the field, giving me all these tickets for nothing, just to bring Vince in. So it makes him feel like a like a patsy. He's basically parroting our own concerns. Like, why did they even bother taking him and getting him tickets and stuff like that? Like, it's basically like the audience parroting through him. But yep. yeah, and man. Yeah, it's gotta be. It's tough for him to have to lose his like number one choice school, but I'm sad that he doesn't take it as an opportunity to grow. I mean, I think he is a junior. He's still got another year no, no, left. No, no, he's a he's a senior. Is he? Because Vince is a junior, right? Vince is a junior, but uh, but Luke, I believe, is a senior. Uh, okay, I thought he was a junior. So I was gonna say like, okay, well, you still got another year. Like, take that time to improve yourself. And work towards it if it's really your dream, but you're just kind of crushed, disintegrated, and letting it overtake you. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we all would hope that we would have a situation happen like this, either to us or to, obviously, characters on a TV show, and that they would take it in such a way that they could use it as fuel 
push harder, make themselves better. But, you know, when you're really looking forward to something and someone just tells you it was a sham, it's pretty crushing. It's hard not it's hard to to not take that personally, especially in something like this. I mean, you have to remember these kids have been playing football for ten years. Mm-hmm. You know, since they were in PB football all the way up through, you know, grade school or up through elementary school into junior high and then now high school. So this is ten years of, of getting better. Every single year you develop a dream. You want to play in college, maybe play professional, but at the very least, you want to go to college. You have, you know, schools in particular that you really like. And if you get picked by one of those schools, if not the school that you like the most, it's like, it's like that perfect moment. But in his case, it, it's just, it was a, it was a fraud. He felt, he feels taken advantage of. And no one likes that. No one likes their dream to be, a fraud um, perpetuated by that school in such a way as to take another player, even if he's a friend of yours, a teammate and saying, Oh, Hey, we're going to use you to bring your buddy in. Cause that's the person we really want. So yeah, I, w- I wish he would have taken this as like, Oh, screw them. Now I'm going to work harder, but I totally get it. I understand it. That's hard to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, so they have that conversation, and um, he's just, he's not taking it very well. Um, and Billy is the one to give him advice. And, you know, like Landry, Billy is not the person to really take advice from nine out of ten times. <laughs> and it leads to, like, he comes up to Billy's home, he's been drinking. Uh, and I expect Billy to, you know, he's got a kid, got a wife, and Becky's there, like, be, like, the man of the house and offer some good advice in him on his way. Nah, nah. Billy's solution, get him even more drunk, drink with him, and advise him that he should call the TMU and just, you know, yell at them. Or, well, he says just, like, yell and let it out, but Luke takes it to, I'm gonna call the TMU coach and scream at him. Like, this is like this is the, the cringiest thing I've seen. I was so horrified watching this. You know, it's in something like this where you feel like it's going to come back and bite him. Because what would happen if it turns out they did want him as well? Yeah, like who knows? Like, what if they actually did want him and they wanted Vince? Like, he doesn't know for sure. Right. Yeah. Man. And even if like it wasn't the case. Like all the scouts, they probably talk. Like they may not share information about the people that are interested, of course, but the people that have, you know, mouthed off to them, they don't like, they're going to talk some shit about them behind their back, talk to other scouts, and the other scouts are going to have disinterest in them, and so on and so on. It's going to trickle down the system, like, and ruin possible opportunities you might have. Yeah. You can't uh, do stuff like that and expect that there won't be any repercussions because we know there will be. There always, there's always repercussions whenever you call a coach up and you mouth off because here's the thing. He could get blackballed, meaning if that coach decides, um, 
that this kid has disrespected him that badly, and you really shouldn't do this. But blackball basically means that coach could call around other colleges and say, look, this kid is a real jerk. You do not want to touch him. Trust me. It's in your best interest. Next thing you know, you're not getting any offers from anybody. Your whole career just went down the drain. Yeah. This is why this scene bothers me so much. <laughs> like, Billy should know better. Like, in part, even if he wasn't a coach, he should know better. He should know better, but um, he certainly isn't. You know, on one hand, he's, on one hand, I will give him credit for trying to pump the kid up. Try to tell him, hey, look, it's not over. And he didn't let him drive home drunk. So that was a good thing. I mean, if the kid wants to get drunk, if he wants to, if he just wants to just sit in the okay. backyard and just complain and, and, and be emotional about it and whatever, fine. Given the two options, obviously, you know, with this kid out in the road, drunk. And he does try to pump him up a little bit, but the way he goes about it probably just is not the best. Not really. <laughs> and after all this goes down, Luke ends up, you know, waking up the next morning and <laughs> he's got a, a headache. He sees the TME poster, rips it down, shreds it, puts it in his toilet, and then pisses on it. <laughs> like, okay, you made your point. <laughs> we get it. You're really mad. Well, yeah. I mean, hey, he, he, looks, he looks at that poster. He's probably like, I'm done with you guys. Screw you. And it just shows our age that the first thing I think of is how pissed his mother would be when that toilet gets clogged. (laughs) Wow. Really? That's where you're at? Uh, Yes. That was my first thought. Like, man, I'd be pissed if that caused a plumbing problem. (laughs) That's my first thought. Not like, (laughs) I can't believe he's doing this. Well, you're definitely out of your teenage years. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, oh, it makes me so sad. Yeah, I know, right? Because like, as a teenager, you would have been doing the same thing. You would have been like, yeah, yeah. screw you, whatever. But Don't give a shit attitude. Now you're, thinking, uh, now you're thinking, you know, in a different light, in a different manner. That would cost a lot of money to fix a plumbing problem. <laughs> you just became your mom. Oh, talk to you. Not that that's a bad thing, Mom, if you're listening. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, Mom, I love you. <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was... <laughs> that's Luke. He is all kinds of fired up this episode. We get a little bit more from later with Becky, but we'll touch on that when we talk about her. But other than that, they're in relation to TMU. That's basically his storyline this episode. Yeah. And so, since we wrapped up him, we'll let you guys listen to an ad from Patreon. Do you like podcasts about movies, television shows, books, games, and pop culture? How about sports like football and tennis? Here at Freaking Geeks Media, one of our many goals is to create a variety of podcasts that you can enjoy listening to. From the Freaking Geeks podcast to Hungry for Hannibal, Friday Night Mics, the American Gods podcast, and Stranger Things... We know that giving you an assortment of options is one of the best ways of bringing you back for more. But it does take quite a bit of work and expense on our end to make these podcasts a reality. 
Patreon gives us the opportunity to make a living doing what we love. However, to do this, we need your help. By donating as little as a dollar a month, you get access to both past and upcoming Patreon-only content, as well as early access to regular episodes before they appear on iTunes. Other tier rewards include monthly Loot Crate giveaways, access to live broadcasts, Freaking Geeks t-shirts, magnets, and much more. We can honestly say that anything given is greatly appreciated. So, consider supporting us by going to www.patreon.com slash freakinggeeks and check out what we have to offer. We think you'll like what you see and hear. <laughs> okay. All right. So, that's out of the way. We're going to jump into Billy. And he really doesn't have too much more in this episode other than his interactions with Luke. But he does have a pretty great moment um, just before the game. Eric is been, has been dealing with home life and having a teenage daughter that is constantly... We'll get to it. <laughs> but anyways, he's not there. He's running late. So Billy is the one that has to make the pep talk. And this is the one out of ten times that Billy pulls through. <laughs> he gives a really great talk to the whole group. You can see the morale is boosting from his words. You know, he's saying it, saying everything with meaning and with heart, just like Coach would. He's got this confidence, and it's really actually nice to see, you know, something good from Billy going on. Uh, yeah, it is nice to see. And you know, the thing is, I think that Billy is um, one of those characters who has been a nice surprise over the course of the series. I'm not saying the, the guy hasn't done stupid things because we know he has. But I think in terms of the character and the actor, he's been a, a great revelation, I think, throughout the, the run of the show. You know, he started out the series as just a deadbeatish brother. I mean, he cared for Tim a lot and everything, but you know, guy couldn't hold a job basically. Yeah. And now he he's married. He has children. Um he's he's now taking in a more or less a daughter, a teenage daughter. He's got a, a job in the football team. This guy is a guy who has slowly over the course of the series like Tim, grown up. He's not perfect. Yeah. He's not a finished product. But he's he's definitely a far cry from the guy that we saw in season one. Far more reliable. And, you know, he's actually you know thinking about a situation before diving into it instead of just, you know, barreling through life without giving a second thought to something. Yeah, I mean, he's done that a lot. He's done stupid things, but... You know, even when he makes the wrong decision, like he didn't do the thing with Luke perfectly, but his heart was in the right place and he tried exactly. to do things as best he could. He's got the heart. Just needs to refine it a little bit in some some situations. <laughs> yeah, I think he needs definitely to maybe ask for some advice on, you know, giving advice because his advice giving is not particularly great. But it was nice to see that you know, Eric did show up late, but he gives, you know, his affirmation to Billy that he did a good job, which was really great. Um, and then they end up having a pretty good game. Uh, they take it home, of course, because 
Yeah, they're the new Panthers. <laughs> they're winning everything. Well, they're a team now, and they've had a year of experience. And he, they ended the season pretty good. I mean, remember they beat the, they beat the uh, East Dillon um, Panthers. Um, you know, last season on their the own end, turf. Yeah, on their own turf. So you know, of course, this season they would be a different team, a much more confident team, a much more polished team. Damn right. So that's all for Billy. Um, we'll jump into Becky. Uh, I love Becky so much. <laughs> now, isn't that uh, amazing for you to say? Think about that for I, a second. I hated her. It's a just season... like Tyra. I hated her when I first yep. met her, but she grows on you. And I, I know. And I remember I, th- I thought when last season started, I thought you're going to hate Becky, but you're going to love her when you, you know, <laughs> after a while. And I think, you know, even up to mid-season last year, you were like, I don't know about her. She still ha- you still haven't convinced me that she's, you know, worth worth anything as a character. I, I, don't, I don't see it. But, uh, you know, a season later, you're singing a different tune. And I'm just yeah. happy about that. Yeah, she's my girl. <laughs> she's my girl that season. And her friendship that's become with Mindy is wonderful. I love it so much. It reminds me of uh, Tyra hanging out with Mindy. Um, just nice moments. And you well, know, or, she and or Tyra and uh, Julie. That too. Yeah. Yes. Like later on when Mindy was more obsessed with Billy and her job and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they've formed a nice friendship. Um, it's really great to see. And, you know, they go out shopping and Becky helps her pick out slutty clothing for her job. It's pretty cute. (laughs) Um, But we end up getting a call from Tim. We don't get to hear him, of course, because we'd have to pay him if we did. (laughs) But uh, he's basically confirming something that the audience has been wondering about. Uh, He's asking if Billy is keeping up payments on the land he bought. So he does still have it. Billy's making payments, and so this is still a thing. He still has this, owns it. He'll be able to work on it when he gets out. So that kind of, that was nice that we got an answer to that question that I've been curious about it. Yeah, you're right. We didn't get any kind of information about that. Did the bank take it back? Did the cops, you know, get a hold of it and and whatever? But it didn't uh, happen, I guess, like you said. Billy's been making the payments, and it'll be ready for him when he gets out. It's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, it's nice to nice to know that uh, Tim's dreams actually still exist. Exactly. He's not going to go through this for nothing. He'll actually have what he wants when he comes back out on the other side. Yep. Although I would like to know when that's going to happen. Like, I'm just waiting for the episode where suddenly, like, Tim's like, got out a couple days early, just shows up on the front door. All Tim like, and he's like, I'm back. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm waiting for that. <laughs> um, I'm saying nothing. <laughs> so I just feel like that's the Tim way. Yeah, but that phone call, you know, leads Becky to her mind's gone back to Tim, and it's all she can think about. And Mindy knows it. She has watched her sister have long and disastrous relationship with Tim Riggins, and. Well, Mindy basically knows the Tim we knew from the beginning. Um, Mindy doesn't really know much of the Tim we know now. You know. He's not a womanizer anymore. He doesn't, he's not the drinker or the 
the party animal. He's actually grown up. And I think that should say itself by her him taking the blow for Billy. But yeah, I think Mindy's mind is still like Tim Riggins is a, a one note guy, you know? I don't think so. I have a different uh, take on this. I, I think it's more down to the fact that, um, you know, look, I mean, Becky is, she's 16 years old and, or 17, going on 17. I just think that Mindy feels that, you know, she should be going after somebody her own age. And Tim, I think she knows Tim is definitely a different person. He's, he's, he's far more mature. Um, now way like worlds more mature than he ever was, um, <laughs> back in season one. Uh, but I, I don't think it's because he see, she sees Tim as a one note person or that, um, he's a bad guy or that even her being in a relationship with him in general is a, is a poor th- choice. I just think. I think Mindy knows that there are simply complications involved in her being with Tim, and she's not ready for that. She needs. Maybe she to doesn't de- want Becky to wait for wait years for him or anything like that. Right. You know, go be with you know be with Luke. Farm boy. You know, hey, why don't you go get laid? That's more or less what she says. I mean, she literally says. She literally know, says, go screw like bunnies. <laughs> like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm watching this episode, I'm thinking, okay, I think, I think Mindy's awesome, and I love the fact that she's like basically a, a pseudo parent here for, for Becky, but at the same time, not many parents are like, hey, look, you, you need to go get laid. All right. Just <laughs> go, go grab that Luke guy and just go to town. <laughs> Her motherly instinct kicks in though afterwards. She's like, I use protection, and then she leaves. Right, like, like it's the true Mindy, and then the mom Mindy comes out briefly, <laughs> and she you tell she like wipes sweat from her eye, sweat from her eyebrow, and she's like, okay, I, I got that little piece of good advice in there at the last second, so I'm good, I'm all right, done my job, right, I'm covered. Yep, <laughs> did my did my work. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. So I love those scenes, and so I guess Becky and Luke are having a thing again. Um, Maybe. <laughs> I could care less. <laughs> what? Oh, Luke is, Luke is awesome. I like Luke. I, I, he is awesome, but he's not Tim. <laughs> well, not nobody is. <laughs> <laughs> and the moments that Becky said with Tim, I can accept no one else. So. so what you're saying is you want her and Tim to get together and have little Beckys and Tims. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Go build a house, be together. Okay. Isla does not need to come back in the picture. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, it, I just, you know, that, that's cool. I mean, it's nice that, um, you know, you you wanna you wanna throw Becky into the. I mean, which person is the wolf and which person is the meat? Is it is it is Tim the piece of meat and Becky's the wolf? I mean, I think you think she would devour him. I think they complete each other. Okay. She annoys him to no end. <laughs> He'll just go and build things. 
Well, That's how a proper relationship is supposed well, to work, right? Look, I mean, if that isn't the the definition of a long lasting and perfect relationship, I do not know what is. Right. So we'll just go with that. Yeah. Like I think it'll be like a few years in the making, of course, but I do think once he's out, that Luke's gonna be out. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll see what happens. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe maybe Tim gets out of prison and the first thing he sees is Becky and, you know, maybe he just walks up and kisses her and you'll be cheering at the screen. Now you've said that, so I know it's not going to happen. <laughs> or, or, I, I or, Tim coming or, out and he's got fully I, decked out sleeves and tattoos and piercings. Or and am, he's just been turned. Am I, am I possibly doing some reverse psychology on you who you think oh now that you told me that it's not true but in fact it is true or using reverse psychology as reverse psychology so i don't think it's reverse psychology <laughs> we could go round and round on this so let's just uh, move forward hey guys here's an ad for itunes <laughs> everyone knows that itunes reviews really helps their podcast reach more people but did you know that rating and reviewing us on iTunes will benefit you as well? Every month we'll be noting who rated and reviewed us across all of our podcasts. Doing so will put you in the running for a gift from our sponsor, Spindlecraft. If you rate and review one of our podcasts, you will gain one entry. If you rate two, you gain two entries, and so on. This allows us to give a little something back for taking the time to rate and review our podcasts. You'll continue to be eligible to win each month for six months or until the sponsorship ends. Winners will not be authorized to win again. It only takes a few minutes, but we think it's worth it. You should too. All right. I like these ads. They get me out of a jam. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. They have a lot of uses. Right. So, last and probably least, Julie... <laughs> Her storyline this episode. Boy, this is going to be a deep dive into this. <laughs> As it was, you would say, a deep dive into hell. Oh, Lord, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't personally look at it that way, but let's get into <laughs> it. Let's get into it, and then we'll discuss uh, what's going on here. So, Julie's still hanging out. She's home from college, taking a few days. As she says, you know, it's just studying for midterms right now. And she's basically there to let the rumors die down and to, you know, escape for a little bit. And, but, you know, her parents are, you know, they're good parents. They don't want her to miss school. They go and want to get her car fixed. Or, no, 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 sorry. <laughs> not the car yet. But they want her to get back right away and not have to, you know, just stay there. Um, so, you know, they tell her head off on back to school and everything and Julie's doing so and she decides to attack a mailbox with her car. <laughs> All right, well let's let's set the situation here. So she's in the car, her parents are saying goodbye to her. You could tell immediately like something's wrong. But she drives out of the driveway anyway. She's she's going down the road and the panic on her face is palpable oh god yeah and she stops uh i believe she stops at like a stop sign or something or or she might just you know, just stopped in the middle of the road i can't remember which 
But anyway, she stops and then she sees the mailbox. And very nice brickworked yeah. mailbox. I mean, this is not like like a a tiny little mailbox on a wooden stick in the ground. I mean, this is yeah. This is bricks. This is something that could really harm your car and she just drives right in to it and then calmly gets out of her car and just sits down. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And all I can think of when I watch the scene is like, these poor people, they're going to have to make an insurance claim, get that paid, and their deductible is probably going to go up and their premiums are going to go up and she's cost them more money than it's going to cost to fix her car. <laughs> That's the first place my mind goes to. I'm like, I don't really care at this moment. Which like, I'm thinking of these poor people. But yeah, we do need to focus on Julie. Yeah. So really, she is very, she's very upset. She does not want to return to school. It, it's really hurting her to even. She's that scared to go back. Yeah. So we get the next scene. You know, uh, with her parents and she's like i'm sorry and they're like oh well you know i'm just glad you're okay i mean you look a dog runs out in front of you or, or something she says oh the dog ran out in front of me so basically yeah. what she does is she's told them a story that she was driving down the street a dog ran out in front of her and she swerved and ended up hitting the mailbox yeah which is pretty plausible you know it keeps you know yeah, you wouldn't want to tell someone like, "Oh, I just I accidentally swerved and hit it. I wasn't paying attention," because that would be bad. You know, you don't want your parents to think like you've done anything wrong. So, an animal is the innocent route to you know most believable for for her. So, good lie on her part. Yeah, I mean it worked, but <laughs> but the problem is it. Julie's never been a good person to keep a lie. Yeah. She has a hard time doing it, which is fine. Um, she wears her emotions on her sleeve. You can tell how she's feeling most of the time. And, and when she goes out to eat with her mom, <laughs> her mom can tell something is, is wrong here, right? Yeah, she's got no poker face. And we'll let you hear this clip of Julie basically venting out everything that's happened to her mother. I tell you something, can you promise not to freak out? Mm -hmm. I kind of was messing around with this TA who is married but was supposedly separated, but it turns out he's not as separated as I thought he was. And his wife is crazy and came to my dorm room and physically assaulted me in front of everybody and... Did she hurt you? No, I'm fine. It's just... She slapped me in front of everybody, the whole dorm. I can't go back there, and I don't know what to do. With her teacher. Her TA. With her married TA. Who's how old? I don't know. Did you ask her how old this guy is? No, honey, I didn't ask her. I was in shock. And, you know, just come here. Just come sit down. I don't want to sit down. Stop thinking what you're thinking. I'm going to go up there and I'm going to kick that kid's ass. That's what I'm going to do. What the hell is someone doing? Running around with the students up at the school. Running around with my damn daughter. 
humiliated Damn well hope and ashamed. So, honey. honey, our daughter is destroyed right now. That's what we need to focus on. We need to be compassionate. You know she wrecked that car on purpose. No. Think about it. No, she did not. Think about it. No, she did not. I knew something was wrong. Think about it, honey. Honey, she wouldn't do that. Okay, so... Yeah. So do you think Tammy is saying, no, she didn't do that, to him realizing that she wrecked the car is more of a denial because she she, I think, I think Tammy immediately knows that the truth, but she does not want to believe. Like she can accept what Tam, what uh, Julie's done with the TA and her humiliation and how she's feeling, but that her kid would do something like that, I think, is difficult for her to swallow. I think you're right. I, I think that um, to Tammy, the situation with the TA is, I think, more believable. You know, um, she can see it, it happening to Julie because she's her mother's daughter. She was a wild child. She did probably worse things when she was in school. Right. Um, but I think to her, Julie is responsible. And I know for some people, they might listen to this and say, okay, that doesn't make any sense. You're telling me that Julie would go up and, and be with a married guy and put herself in that kind of situation. And yet, she wouldn't do this. Like, she would be too responsible to do this. But I think you're looking at two entirely different circumstances, set of circumstances here. You have a kid up uh, up in college, only up there for a month or two, and she gets involved with a TA. Okay. But to intentionally wreck your car, to press on the gas and just ram your car into a solid object causing damage. That's a different story. It, it, it's, it's on a different level because you are intentionally hurting a vehicle that costs money and possibly hurting yourself. Now, I mean, she probably wouldn't have done anything to herself in that situation but you're putting yourself in some kind of danger. Who knows what could have happened there? And uh, yeah, it's just something she can't come to accept immediately, even though deep down I think she knows that Eric's right. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to think that you like. It's easy enough to believe that she would, you know, do something with like a TA that was married because you you don't know what happened per se he could manipulate her could have told her stories how she did mention that you know she thought she was separated but he wasn't like that can all like for a young girl that's first going to college i think tammy well understands that you know her she can be blinded easily and that mistakes happen but for her daughter to intentionally harm property harm a vehicle, potentially harm herself. Like, anything could happen. She could have lost control and gone into the house. <laughs> anything could have happened to that situation. I think that's some kind of uh, hysterical panic that 
probably scare Tammy. Yeah. How can her daughter be that terrified? And I think it sheds light on what's really going on in Julie's head. Well, I, th- I think I'd like to break down a little bit Julie here. I think I want to talk about her and what's going on and maybe kind of dissect a little bit the turmoil that's going on inside. So let's first look at Julie's personality. Okay, let's look at that, really. Julie is somebody who I've always felt, like, on one hand, she's always been very intelligent, um, mature. You know, if we go back to season one, she was alone, sitting by herself, you know, by herself, sitting there reading a book. Uh, Matt tries to talk to her. She's just totally unreceptive. What's, you know, she's like, I, I don't date. I don't, I don't date football players. Football players, and, you know. yeah. And uh, so she comes off, and I think it's just somebody who doesn't want to deal with any of that. Uh, but she's obviously well-read and intelligent. Has a little bit of that, like, Rory Gilmore thing, you know, going on. Yeah. Um, so on one hand, she's definitely been a mature, you know, uh, teenager. Season two – Notwithstanding, um, but it withstands. <laughs> right, it's part of it. I know, I know. Um, but overall, if you look at her throughout the series, she's been a pretty much mature character. So on one hand, she's like that, but then at the same time, Julie's always struck me as somebody who is a little bit like, like a like a fragile flower you know um maybe if things got too much for her she wouldn't know how to handle it and she comes from a yeah she's a small she's a small town girl um as well so she's okay with being around dylan and navigating her way there because she knows the people and they know her and it's a small town or small enough, and that's fine. But now you go up to a different place. Now you're in college. You have to be accountable for yourself, and some older guy takes an interest in you. She's put herself into a situation that I don't think she understands how to get herself out of, because she has no experience in this matter. She's never been here before. She doesn't know what it's like to deal with this particular situation. Now, she's been in with nothing but older guys, from the you know, series uh, beginning, or sorry, from the beginning of the series, because first she was with Matt. Matt was older. Okay. Swede. The Swede. The Habitat for Humanity guy, obviously older as well. So she's always been with older guys. But this guy that she's with, this TA, I think he's definitely the oldest of the, of the bunch. Um, and then on top of that, he's married. And like and you he said, controls her grades, right? Controls her grades, but but I think the bigger thing here is that she, instead of saying, "Oh, you're married, we can't do this," I don't care if you're separated. I don't care if things look bad. You're married, so until you're not married, we can't do this. That would have been the smart thing. However, she's a teenager. All right. And 
I remember being a teenager. You remember being a teenager. We don't always make the best decisions. Trust me. <laughs> you don't yeah. all, you don't all, you know, you don't think things through. You're not looking three steps ahead and thinking of the repercussions of your current actions or what could be your soon to be current actions. So I, I think what this comes down to is whether it be loneliness or whatever the reason, to a certain extent, it doesn't really matter. Julie put herself in a bad situation. And the repercussions for that was <laughs> the wife of the man she was with comes up and publicly shames her. Yeah. So apparently he's lied to her saying that this woman was on a sabbatical of doing something and is rarely around because apparently she's definitely around. So, well, Julie, on one level, not only is humiliated, but she also knows this guy has lied to her on some level. Well, okay, so I don't know the truth of this because I can't remember, but she may have actually been away. But I think the bigger thing here is how spineless this guy is. Now, I'm not saying what he did was right. Okay, so on one hand, I say I kind of give him uh, kudos to, you know, admitting to what he did because obviously he had, you know, cheated on her. Uh, however, this guy broke down like, like, like he was in, in an interrogation room with some hardened detectives or something, you know, <laughs> and he broke down in like two seconds because like, this guy was spouting off all of this stuff probably the moment she walked in the door. So even if she was away, she gets home and he's like two seconds, two seconds into their reunion. He's like, I cheated on you. Um, oh, who'd you cheat on me with? Uh, Julie Taylor. You know, like, dude, seriously. I mean, yeah. I'm not like, eh. so Julie gets attacked and, and publicly shamed and verbally. I mean, it has to be really, really embarrassing. I understand why she doesn't want to go back because to go back there, it's not just about the people who might still be talking about her, you know, but it's also the painful memories associated with it. You know, if she walks back in that place, all she's going to be thinking about is the shame, knowing what she did, knowing what she did wrong, what she shouldn't have done and what happened to her because of it. Um, I just, I just think I understand. I, it's frustrating, but I don't dislike it. And I will say this before this episode, this storyline was, was separate. You know, we went from what was going on in Dylan all the way up to Julie and Julie's storyline felt completely removed from everything that was going on in the show. But this episode brought it back to Dylan because now that the truth has been revealed, now that everything has gone down the way it has in this episode, her parents are involved. And now, the voices you know, of reason. Different. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I, I do feel sympathy for her as I understand her thinking all through the situation. But I honestly side with Eric on trying to push her back into it. Because I think if she just stays away longer and longer, she's going to get so worked up 
and panicked and terrified, she's going to have a freaking heart attack. (laughs) And I'm not even, like, kidding. She's going to work herself into a serious upset and won't ever be able to return. And it could affect the rest of her life. Like, that's a serious situation, and it is clearly mentally affecting her very severely. It could affect the rest of her relationships for the rest of her life if she doesn't face it. Yeah, but you know, you have to remember, Julie. Like I said, Julie is mature, but she's also still a kid. You know, I mean, she can go out and have sex with whoever she wants to have sex with, but it it doesn't necessarily uh, mean that she's ready to deal with the repercussions all the time. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, get up here and and say when you should or shouldn't have sex. That's that's nothing to do with it. I'm just saying. She can go out and sleep with anybody she wants, but this situation shows that on some level she's mature, and on another level she isn't mature enough. She's immature in certain, you know, very specific, I think, areas. And we've seen that in this episode. You know, the way she deals with problems, the way she deals like with things that affect her on this level she has a hard time navigating her way through it. And I think, uh, yeah, it's tough to watch, but I like that they're giving Julie a real storyline this season and making things difficult for her and not just making, you know, having her character coast through the the fifth season with nothing to do, you know? I don't know, like, I don't feel it's real for her. And it, this whole storyline hasn't felt right to me, like an actual storyline that should be in Friday Night Lights. It's always felt, like, more soap opery than I care for, to be in Friday Night Lights. It's it's entirely dramatic, and none of it really feels like... Like, I... Her being with the TA, I understand that. But up until the point where his wife comes, creates a scene, slaps her. Like it's so dramatic and soap opera that it's, it would never happen in like, well, I can't say never happen. It could happen in real life, but I can't see a glorified teacher doing that. Like it sounds like something that's just there to be dramatic. Okay. I mean, I, I get your point. I, I don't know. This uh this whole storyline I guess really doesn't it doesn't bother me all that much. Um I think what they were trying to do is trying to show throughout this entire storyline that is as, as smart as Julie is in general, she still has a lot of growing up to do. And going off to college it's a huge deal. You know, if if you've gone to college, you understand what it's like, especially if you're going to a place that's far away. I, I went to college. I was a few hours away from home. And I remember because I had stayed in my hometown my entire life with the exception of a few trips. So for me, going to college in a place that I didn't uh, really – um, I guess I didn't really 
do a lot of research before I went and it was a city and I didn't know a lot of people there except for I think I had one friend down there that I knew from uh, high school. It was a shocking experience for me. And adjusting to it and trying to like find your yourself there and who you are and just growing up, it's a different experience. And so for me, I know how difficult it was. And you make stupid choices and you make dumb mistakes. And just about every kid who's in college or has ever been in college would admit to the fact that uh, they could go back in time. They would alter some of the choices that they'd made. Now, yes, was that whole thing like she comes in and slaps Julie? Uh, was that, you know, insane? Yeah, was it soap opera? Like, yeah, yeah, sure. I, I, I can't disagree with that. Um, but I think they needed to show that that Julie going off and starting college wasn't going to be an easy transition. You know, it was going to be difficult for her. She was going to make a dumb mistake and, you know, we need to see how she responds to that mistake and the the next path that she takes and the next choices that she makes are going to really affect who she is moving forward. I don't have a problem with this storyline. I think the TA was sleazy and I, I think yeah. he, he should be his genitals should be removed or something. I don't know, but <laughs> castrate him. But, um, I, I don't dislike the storyline, I guess. It just doesn't bother me, but I understand if, if it does bother you, I, I do it. I get it. I honestly feel like in the back of Julie's mind that all of this must make her feel a great deal of regret too. She had, you know, the choice to go to Chicago with Matt. You know, she would have lived a really nice life sitting in his apartment that smelled like coffee, you know, seeing his artwork, seeing him, being with someone you loved, seeing his life develop. And instead she goes, you know, she wanted to go to college. She had dreams and aspirations and she didn't follow through with that. She went to a college she didn't like and ended up with someone that humiliated her. I think there's a great deal of regret there too with her. Yeah. I mean, I think she was trying to make a choice that wasn't associated with Matt. You know, I think it was more about, I need to, I need to navigate my future uh, and make decisions for myself and not let it be ruled by where Matt's at. And I think that's, yeah, exactly. I just, I feel like she even fell flat doing that because it wasn't the school she wanted to go to. Like that was her point of not following him was to, you know, strike out on her dreams and see where life would take her. But she ended up going for something subpar. Yeah. So I feel like, I feel like she's either got to go fully in or like Matt is definitely her safe place. And she's traveled far out of the realm of feeling safe and that's why she's, you know, kind of looking for sanctuary with her parents, I think. And it's not going to happen. She needs to figure it out. She, she's dug this kind of hole. Then she's got to face the music eventually. And I think she will. I just, I think she just needs time to figure it out for herself and in her head. You know, <laughs> I could just see her like outside the school, just 
she snorts a five-hour energy and she's pumping herself up just to make it through the door. I think uh, she needs some uh, tranquilizers or something or some Valium or whatever. <laughs> Pushes over the mailbox on her way in. <laughs> and uh, I will not be stopped. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, we'll see what happens with her, but I, it's going to be interesting to see what direction she takes. Yeah, I'm curious too. Yeah, I, I, I'm not disappointed. Like, I'm a little disappointed in where the story went, but I'm not disappointed in her. Yeah, I, I want to see what happens next. I want to see how she rebounds. Yeah, me too. Okay, well, that's it for uh, this episode, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just thinking like, yeah, that was quite a long talk but yeah that is the whole episode now <laughs> all right so um um yeah. so uh we have what seven episodes left yeah crazy um so it's it's coming up towards the end everybody i'm going to make a another a little announcement here just if if you want to send in feedback for the finale i mean you can send in feedback each week if you want to if you want to respond to our comments in this episode feel free if you want to, you know, send in stuff for any of the upcoming episodes, please do. We definitely love to get the feedback in. But, um, you know, if you do want to send in feedback for the finale, uh, you know, figure out what you want to, you know, say or what questions you want to ask, what opinion, what opinions you have, and just, you know, write them in an email and send it to us. FridayNightMikes at gmail.com. Let us know. Um, another thing is after we do our season five finale episode we are going to be doing a series finale episode as well so technically we have eight more episodes of the podcast to do it you know before we're finally done but uh the series finale will be just us you know going through our thoughts on each season and and just talking about the show in general the things we loved the things we, we hated or disliked um and just kind of doing a retrospective on the whole series and giving you our final thoughts on Friday Night Lights as a whole, where we rank it among our all-time great shows and all that stuff, yada, yada, yada. So, yeah. So that's just a little bit of an announcement to let you know what's coming up as we get nearer to the end of the season. Yeah, so I hope we get to hear from you guys. We're getting really close to the end, and... It's gonna be really exciting. I can't wait to come to the last few episodes because I've just I've heard great things. Yep, yep. I'm, I say no more. I'm not saying anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So no one's told me anything. I've just heard. Oh, you're gonna love them when you get to them. I'm like, okay, I'm getting closer. Five more. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah. So All right. we hope you guys have a great week. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And we'll talk to you guys later. Oh. Fuck. Armada. I was and just, I was just waiting. Swearing. I was just waiting. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, what are you waiting for? I'm like, oh right, I'm being an idiot. Okay, let's go off with Armada. Okay, clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. Can't lose. All right, everyone, have a good week. We'll see you next time. Later, guys. Thanks for listening to the Freaking Geeks podcast. Be sure to visit freakinggeeks.com as well as our Patreon page at patreon.com slash freakinggeeks for more great content. Also, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Trust us, it really helps. 
Now, if you'd like to write into the podcast and share your thoughts and ask questions, you can do so by sending your email to freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com. You can contact Michael on Twitter using at Michael underscore Lanage. You can contact Sarah on Twitter using at Labyrinth Rose or at Freak Geeks.